What's going on, guys? And welcome to the second podcast of the Country Fried Nerds. I am your host, Christelle Lobello. And I'm your co-host, McCreeps. And tonight, we're talking about childhood cartoons. Uh, I'm just letting you know that this podcast has been a pain in the ass to make technical issues and us just being downright lazy. We're yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but good news is, during our technical issues and just being lazy, we now have a logo for you guys. Um, thanks to Rovenwell on Twitter. Uh, Kool-Aid likes JoJo, so we got a piece of art done in the style of JoJo. And, uh, it's oof. a splendid logo. It's pretty badass. It, hopefully it'll pop up on um, our uh, feed tonight when we upload this. Kool-Aid's already got many compliments by his friends for it, so yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's doing that hot <laughs> JoJo boy shit. But, alright, uh, childhood cartoons. Um, me and Kool-Aid are 11 years apart. I was born in 1990, and Kool-Aid was born in 2001. So, our generation of cartoons is extremely different from each other's. And, uh, we've talked about it, and even Kool-Aid will admit the 90s cartoons are far more superior. Skeleton Warriors! Skeleton Warriors! Generally, that is true, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh, 90s yeah. cartoons are generally better than 2000s cartoons. They are. Very much so. So, um, we're going to talk about some cartoons. Um, the ones that, you know, are near and dear to us, to our hearts. And then talk about other ones that from our childhoods that, you know... May not be in the ones that we mirror the most or or the biggest part of our lives, but still cartoons we enjoyed. I mean, in the 90s, it's really hard for me to, like, we want, we want to talk about four specifically. But the 90s had so many great cartoons, it's so hard to just narrow down the spectrum to four cartoons. It's just hard. You can't do it. And I had a, I had to find four that was like, yeah, these are the cartoons I remember the most. I mean, I... It's still hard, because I'm like, well, I used to watch that a lot, too. Like, Rugrats. Rugrats, I watch religiously, but it's not my top four that I, like, want to talk about or, like, mention a lot about, because not, Rugrats was a 90s staple. I think everybody watched Rugrats. Um, so it's one of them things, like, ah, do I really want to keep talking about the Rugrats? And I'm definitely not going to talk about Rugrats all grown up, because that was hot garbage but i'm going to uh you want to go first you want me to go first Kool Aid? you can go first <laughs> test the waters um <laughs> oh man so the, the four cartoons that really like identified me in the 90s was all real monsters on nickelodeon um brent stimpy on Nickelodeon, Courage the Kelly Doll that came on Cartoon Network, and Batman the Animated Series that came on WB. Now, don't get me wrong, Cartoon Network had amazing cartoons in the 90s. You had Johnny Bravo, you had Eddie and Eddie, you had, um, did I say Dexter's Laboratory yet? You, uh, have not. Okay, Dexter's Laboratory. 
uh, the Powerpuff Girls, uh, Cow and Chicken. Oh, Cow and Chicken. Cartoon Network. That was Cartoon Network. That's like major cartoons in the 90s that I remember. Besides like the old school like Looney Tunes and the Flintstones, the Jetsons. I had those in the 90s too we watched. Scooby-Doo reruns. I mean, WB had the Animaniacs. She had Freakazoid. Aesthetic Shock came on WB. You had Pokemon in the mornings that came on a WB. Uh, Batman anime series is on a WB in the mornings. And then Nickelodeon, you had Ren Stimpy. You had Doug. You had Rugrats. You had Rocco's Modern Life. You had Hey Arnold, the Wild Thornberries. Um, as told by Ginger, you had uh, even... I can't remember what channel Pepper Ann came on. Pepper Cam Ann came on, I think, WB2, if I'm not mistaken. But we had Pepper Ann back in the 90s. Uh, we had the Magic School Bus back in the 90s. Um, so there were so many Street Sharks, Ninja Turtles. There was a lot so, of classics. A lot of classics. We had lots of stuff going on in the 90s, and it was magical. And please forgive if I forget one that, you know, but there were so many of them. I think those are the most prominent ones that I really remember from my era of great cartoons. But, oh man, Ren and Stimpy. Well, first I'm going to talk about Batman, okay? Because Batman the animated series was like, oh, we had Gargoyles too. I think Gargoyles came on WB. Yeah, pretty sure it did. But... Batman the Gorgos cartoon series was like the really nitty gritty cartoons of the 90s. So it's Skeleton Warriors, but Skeleton Warriors, like, not many people from the 90s have, right now to this day. If I said, do you know who Skeleton Warriors are? People are just looking like, what the hell is that? That's a very, very classic 90s gem that just got, like, forgot about. And it was a great fucking cartoon. But, uh, it was like that dark, gritty cartoon, and. I remember watching it all the time as a kid. Like, I think Batman the Animated Series came out in, like, the early 90s. Like, 92, 93. And I remember watching it religiously as a kid. Like, every morning. Getting up, seeing that WB logo, Skylight. And then the damn um, Batmobile. Man. And Mark Campbell as the voice actor for the Joker. I mean, he brought it all together. Like, I don't think they could have found anyone else as good as Mark Hamill to be the Joker for the animated series. And being younger, I wasn't big into Star Wars. I mean, I liked it, but, you know, it took me to, like, my later years to realize, oh my god, that's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> like, I didn't know Luke Skywalker was the voice of the Joker. I mean, it was, I was probably, like, 12, 10 or 12 when I learned that Luke Skywalker was the Joker. But... I mean, that cartoon was so good. Oh, man. There's never been a good a good Batman series since. I mean, it's went through different art designs, rehauls. They tried to bring it back. One time the Joker looked like a, like one of those uh, abstract paintings. Like, his hair was all, like, I don't know, zigzag looking. He had jagged teeth. I'm like, no. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I, <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, that Joker. Yeah, that's God. That was awful. I think that was like young Batman, or I don't know. I think it was a younger Batman that played in it, though. It wasn't like Bruce Campbell. No, Bruce. It wasn't Bruce Wayne. Bruce Campbell is not Batman. Bruce Campbell is 
totally different. Sorry. Leave it to the horror um, fanatic to go call Bruce Wayne Bruce Campbell. <laughs> anyway. I don't think it was Bruce Wayne that played in that one. It could have been. I didn't watch a lot of it. It just, the art style just was not appealing to me at all. I think he had red eyes, too. He had, like, red eyes and jagged teeth. I don't know. They did. They they fucked the Joker up in so many ways, even in real life. <coughs> Jared Leto. <coughs> but, um, yeah, the Batman anime series will always be a cult classic. I mean... If you ask anyone that watched the WB in the morning, and you ask them the Batman animated series, they're going to tell you the same thing. They saw that, remember the WB light in the sky and the Batmobile going down the road. The music was, I think the music was done by Danny Elfman, if I'm not mistaken, too. I could be wrong, but I think Danny Elfman did the, the score for the original WB Batman, which made it even better. Um, Let's see. Which one would be my second? Because Batman the Animated Series will always be like my top childhood cartoon. Oh, I guess Rince. No. Yeah, Rince Stimpy probably. Like, it's like either All Real Monsters or Rince Stimpy. But I think, uh, I think Rince Stimpy would probably be the, uh, the next one that was like, that I always remember. You know, Rince Stimpy came out and like it came out before the Batman anime series. I think Ren Stimpy was like came out when I was in Pampers and I don't remember watching it until like I was a younger girl, like I don't know, four or five is when I started watching Ren Stimpy. And I just remember I think his name's like Powder Toast Man. And he was like a fucking superhero with like um a cereal. I mean a cereal, a piece of toast for head. I uh, remember the rubber nipple, the horse that always stole the rubber nipples. Like, he had, like, the rubber nipples on his knee. Like, that horse, like, was in love with rubber nipples. And, of course, I mean, everyone's seen it. The, the episode where Rin is, like, sewing a law between Stimpy's butt cheeks. <laughs> Rin and Stimpy was very controversial for its time. It was before its time, in all honesty. I mean, the 90s, we got a lot, we got away with a lot more, um, Sexualization. Oh boy, that came out really country. Sexualization. There we go. Of a uh... sexualization. <laughs> Stop it. Watch it. Watch your mouth, sir. Watch your mouth. Uh. And uh, they, cartoons just got away with a lot more than they can. They can ever possibly get away with now. Like they wouldn't show something like that on a kids' network nowadays. Absolutely they'd, not. They'd be like, "Whoa, this is not for kids." But in the 90s, they're like, fuck it. Let's roll with it. These kids don't have a shit what's going on. Us 90s kids are dumb as fuck, okay? We saw cartoons. We're like, yay, cartoons. You get hit in the head with something, we laugh. These kids nowadays are like, hey, girl. That's a walk. I saw that on a, a Fortnite video. Oh, my God. What, a kid, a kid saying something about being a walk? No, 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 no. Like a kid seeing something from Ren and Stimpy and being like, hey, I saw that in a Fortnite video. Mm. That's absolutely disgusting. It makes me sad. Oh my god. When you. Uh, I don't ever want to hear the sentence, I saw something about Ren and Stimpy through a Fortnite video ever again. 
I thought you were saying a kid told someone on Fortnite they had a WAP. I was like, I'm not surprised. Not in this day and time. Kids are way more mature nowadays. I mean, we, they're not just kids had a childhood. We were the last generation to have a legit childhood, which is kind of sad. But anyway, um, so Ren and Stimpy, yeah, Ren and Stimpy is one of those cartoons that, you know, they got away with a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff they probably should have never was been allowed to do from the get-go. And I think they stopped airing it, like, around the time I really started watching it. But I think they should reruns. Like, I think they, uh, the final episode was October 20th, 1996. So that put me at six years old. And the first episode was released in 91 of August. But yeah, I was, <laughs> I was just a boy baby in 91. So I didn't start watching it till like I said, I was like maybe four or five. Six at most is when I started watching it on Nickelodeon. But, you know, I remember happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy. Like, that's one of those songs that if you say happy, happy, I'm going to instantly give you a response of joy, joy. I mean, it's always going to be that. I don't care if you're talking about Ren and Stimpy. If you say to me, happy, happy, joy, joy, or happy, happy, I'm just going to start singing that song to you. Because in my mind, it's connecting that with Ren and Stimpy. And I'm going to make myself look like a damn fool. But you know what? That's okay. Done it before, I'll do it again. Um. Oh. Another one. Another one. That, uh. Another one. Another one. Uh, Auro Monsters. Auro Monsters was another weird out of this world cartoon from Nickelodeon. It was about uh, monsters going to scare school, learning to scare. You had Ickis from, and I think the female was like Thumbelina or something like that. But I know she looked like a black and white candy cane with big old red lips. Remember, Karam used to hold his eyes in his hand. And Ickis was like this little red, like, goblin demon thing. And the teacher that actually taught them <laughs> wore red pumps. It was voice acted by Tim Curry. And that cartoon stuck with me, too. Like, Auro Monsters is one of them cartoons that, like, if I could find the DVD box set, I'd buy it and binge watch the shit out of it. It was such a good cartoon. I mean... <sighs> Just so many good cartoons. I can't disagree with that. It's a true statement. I'm just over here just like having like a montage of other cartoons in my head. I'm just like, damn, man. Showing my age, though. <laughs> like I said, I'm getting old and falling apart. Uh, but yeah, in all honesty, like. I haven't seen any Aura Monster episodes in a long time. I mean, the last time I think I sat down and watched Aura Monsters was in the 90s. But that cartoon will always stick in my head. Like, it was just weird. It was different because I think at that time you had, like I said, the Rugrats. You had um, Doug. You had Rocco's in my life. But that was also another weird cartoon because actually Rocco had like an episode where Rocco was finding a job. And he actually worked at a sex hotline. And it had like a sticky note on his little booth that said like, be polite, be professional. 
And he was like, oh, baby, oh, baby. And, like, the little frog neighbor was like, Rocco? Then when Heifer choked on the choky chicken, fried chicken, and went to, like, hell or something. <laughs> Man, yes, the chicken was called choky chicken. <laughs> Rocco was, and then I think one time, like, uh, oh, what was Rocco's little dog's name? But he felt like some purple stuff, and he was trying to eat it. And I remember Rocco chasing him around, trying to get it from him. I cannot remember that little dog's name. But then he had Filbert, the frog friend. And every frog I had, I named Filbert from Rocco's Modern Life. I didn't care if it was a different frog. Every fro not frog, sorry, turtle. Every turtle I had was named Filbert. Because Filbert was the turtle off Rocco's Modern Life. So every uh. turtle I had was named Filbert. I think the dog's name was Spunky. Yeah, Spunky! Yeah, Spunky was the little dog. But, yeah, Spunky felt like some purple thing and he was trying to eat on it and, like, there was a whole episode of Rocco trying to get that from Spunky. Rocco's Mare Life was a good cartoon. Like I said, once again, beyond his time and beyond the age demographic he was put out to watch because, like I said, you know, being a kid, we didn't remember this. You know, we wouldn't have picked up on it being a sex hotline, but your parents would have. And we watched it. I mean, a lot of the 90s cartoons, I think, were more for parents and the kids. Um, Because now looking back on some of the cartoons, I'm like, wow. <laughs> they should have not aired that when I was a child. But, you know, <laughs> it shaped me into who I am today, and I'm forever grateful for it. Um, And then... Before I derail off and start talking about other cartoons, I gotta let Cooley get to his, so. Uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Now, Courage was later in the 90s. Like, 1999 was when Courage came out. I was nine years old. That was one of, you know, after Dexter, Eddie and Eddie, Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken. Um, but Courage the Cowardly Dog was one of the other cartoons that was just so odd and bizarre that it, I was extremely, like, attracted to it. Because it was different. I mean, even when I was a child, I was big in, like, creepy and scary things. Hence, Auburn Monsters, you know. And the Gore Girls cartoon was a little, it was dark and grungy, like the Batman anime series. I was always into stuff with that. And um, when Courage the Cowardly Dog came out in the 1999, I, like, instantly fell in love with that cartoon. One, I love dogs. So, I mean, how can I not love a cute little pink dog trying to save his, uh, his owners from just all these creepy-ass monsters that came after them in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Miro. I love Miro. That thing was so, such an airhead. But I loved uh, Miro. Like, and just the villains from Courage the Cowardly Dog. I mean, fucking cats. <sighs> cats. He was a jerk. Yeah, cats was an ass. I remember cats had the motel with the spiders. Cats had the freaking cruise ship. I want to say cats had something else in one of the episodes, too. Cats was always after Muriel and Courage. Mostly, he was just trying to get back at Courage. And I don't ever understand why. I don't remember what the issue with Courage and Cats was. But Cats was just a straight asshole. Then you had the space ducks that sound like they were the Beatles. Um, they always liked like, the green eggs and stuff. You had the two zombie directors that were pretty much like, um, 
an homage to George Romero, which that one kind of creeped me out a little bit when I was a kid. I don't know why, but that one like weirded me out. Then you had, of course, King Ransmus. Return the slab. Oh, suffer the curse. You had um, <laughs> you had the evil plants. See the evil eggplants. I think there was another evil plant too. You had the the big foot or the big toe, which was the uh, Hughes's foot that turned into like um, mob boss with his little goons as the little bitty toes. You had the coon ass fox. That was always trying was trying to make granny stew. You had I'm trying to think you had the episode in case it really wasn't a villain, but you had the episode with the cat and the bunny with the mask on. And that one's like was a really that that episode wasn't more so scary, but it brought light of domestic violence and abuse to child children. That, you know, it was a good it was a good message in a creepy way because they wore these masks. But I remember, like, I can't remember the dog's name that was, like, abusing the bunny rabbit. But the cat was trying to save her from being abused from the dog. And, uh, I think they, like, they loved each other. So, like, give us promote, like, or this maybe either they loved each other or it was just her friend that she was just trying to get away from a, a, a bad, um, relationship. But I remember the, the, the dog was, like, I think a Rockwaller. Or, no, a Doberman, I think. I think the dog was a Doberman. And they end up, Courage ends up helping them get Bunny, which was one that was being abused, away from the dog, other dog. And they get on a train, and they hug each other, and they ride off in the sunset. So it really brought to light, I think that was the first cartoon that that I can remember that actually, like, besides the Hate Arnold episodes, that brought in domestic violence and domestic abuse and getting away from that, which was a good thing, you know, promote children you know if you see something like that get away from it but at the same time i don't know if kids could have made that connection just yet it's a very difficult uh subject to portray uh to kids because it's kind of a kind of a complex subject to touch on yeah it's a little taboo and i just don't think you know in the 90s there was a lot of light shed on domestic abuse and things like that for children, like for children to understand about domestic abuse. But I mean, I appreciate them doing that because I mean, you don't, you didn't see a lot of that back in the nineties. I mean, Hey Arnold was another cartoon that tried to weasel in there and different things. Like, I mean, Helga's family had, uh, her mom was alcoholic. Her dad, you know, was pretty much, Verbally abusive to Helga. He was like down on her. Always picked her, his oldest daughter over her. Pretty much told Helga she was nothing. She'll never be our sister. You know, just verbal abuse. And as a kid, you don't pick up on that either. But then you, as you get older, you realize, my God, this girl has a terrible family because um, her mom's a drunk. Her dad looks down on her and treats her like shit. The older daughter, I think her name was Oga. Oga was trying to be a good sister. And, like, try to love Helga. But Helga has so much, like, hate and res resentment towards her because they try to put her on the pedestal as her older sister. So that, like, it pretty much showed a broken family. And as a child, you wouldn't understand that until you get older and you watch it. And you're like, oh, man. 
you know, it's it's a lot deeper. That and uh, Pigeon, I think his name's Pigeon Man. Like, it's pretty much like, I think he's like a guy that's like stays on the rooftop with a bunch of pigeons. And like, he pretty much says like, he's better off with the animals than he is with people. And I'm like, I can relate that. I can, I'd rather be, if I'm at a party, I'd rather be with your animal than with a crowd of people. Loving on your animals. That's just how I am. I don't like big groups of people, so, like, hey, Arnold had a lot of good, um, subliminal undertones to it that, as children, we wouldn't have caught on to until we, as we're older, we watch it and be like, oh, shit. That goes a lot deeper than, uh, we ever would have imagined. Right. But yeah, those those are mine. Um, I said I got look, I derailed off on Hey Arnold. That's a curse to Carly Doll. Um, but yeah, the villains. They had so many good villains in that cartoon. And I mean, I mean, they had episodes that had oh, and the gerbil. It's a gerbil's world. It's a gerbil's world. It's a gerbil's world. Uh, it's a gerbil's world. Uh. Yeah, I used to sing that, and my grandma used to get mad at me. That's all I would sing. And then she'd get mad. And so because I knew I was making her mad, I would laugh and continue to sing it. Just to make my grandma mad. I'm sorry, my mom. I love you. <laughs> I know you're looking down at me going, lie. Um, but they had so many unique, different characters. Um, I think the last of the Starbringers, that was a sad episode. It really wasn't um, much of a scary episode. It was more of a heart warming, breaking, sentimental episode. But Courage had such a it was such a good cartoon. Like I said, it had so many good villains. So many such good story to it. And um I think after Courage is when you know the nineties are rolling in over to the two thousands. And unfortunately this is where I gave it to Kool-Aid because this is where my adventure and most cartoons end. All right. Well, we're gonna. I'd like to stay up courage for a little bit longer and just uh, list off a couple of episodes that stuck with me, uh, because courage did air in uh, 1999, and mostly ran during the early 2000s. So I was luckily alive during that time to witness it. So uh, a few episodes that stick in my mind. Uh, there's an episode where there's like an old teacher and she's trying to make courage uh, perfect. Uh, and courage is a really hard time being perfect. And the teacher is really hard on him, extremely hard on him. And uh, by the end of the episode, courage realizes that, uh, you know, no one's perfect. Uh, and striving for perfection, uh, absolute perfection, isn't a, a good thing. And he eventually, I guess, overcomes his like his fear of uh, you know messing up or not being perfect or whatever. Uh, another episode is uh, I don't I don't really know what the <laughs> the moral of this episode was, or I don't remember it, but. There was like this giant bone underground, and like is that the one he constantly licked on? Like he kept licking on it. Yeah, yeah. There was like that. another dog that was 
constantly licking on it and uh it was super tempting and courage uh was trying to resist temptation for most of the episode uh i think he ended up saving the dog but that's all i can really remember from that episode i just um, i just remember the doll him licking the bone that's all i remember from that yeah he did he did lick the bone a couple of times and uh he uh almost gave into temptation but uh he resisted it and saved the day um another episode is uh, <laughs> the flan episode uh there's like this really f- like this fat capitalist guy and he had like this company that made flan or you know, baklava or whatever you want to call it, pudding, pretty much. And it was extremely addicting. And, you know, whoever ate the pudding uh, couldn't stop eating it. And they just, you know, got fat and stuff. Um, I think eventually by the end of the episode, Courage ends up, like, feeding the flan to that guy, the, the capitalist guy. And he ends up like becoming addicted to his own stuff and becomes brainwashed or something. I don't remember that episode at all. I don't know why it's, it, that one stuck in my head, but apparently it was mem- memorable enough for me to think of it. Um, yeah, that's Courage the Cowardly Dog is a, is a very, a very classic show. Oh, uh, very memorable. Forgot. Naughty. Yes. Oh yes. Uh, Freaky Fred. Oh yeah, Fred. A very, in, very interesting recurring character. I'm surprised uh, that he got so much airtime. Honestly, he's very, he's interesting, but I just didn't expect him to be a recurring character. Like I remember, I forgot. I was like, damn, I forgot the Freaky Fred episode. Yeah. Or cousin Fred, whatever they called him. I just remember him telling Courage, "You're very naughty," and they tried to buzz him with the the clippers. Yeah. I don't understand what that episode's moral was. It probably didn't have a moral at all. Nowadays, I'm pretty sure if people saw it, they'd say that it's like making fun of people with some kind of dis, you know, mental disability. Which I don't think that was, um their intention at all i just think they wanted to make a really creepy person and uh fred was that with that big ass joker grin he had in that wild hair looking like jimmy hall from a dead night video game i just got on playing i'm just like uh i'll never forget fred i even made a meme of like um when Coca-Cola used to have, like, the Coke bottles, like, share a Coke with someone that's been naughty or whatever. Yeah. So I paid, I, I had that Coke bottle. Like, I actually bought the Coke bottle. That said that. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh, my God. So I ended up making a meme. It says, share a Coke with someone who's naughty. And then at the bottom of my Coke bottle, there's a picture of Fred from Courage the Cowley Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I have to show it to you. I have it on my Instagram. But I was like, this is, this is gold. No one else has done this. No one else probably thought about this. This is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but continue, Kool Aid. I just, I'm sorry, I interrupt you, but uh, I couldn't, couldn't help myself. We had to talk about Fred for a few minutes. 
all right. So SpongeBob SquarePants, the next cartoon, uh, also aired in 1999, but is still going on to this day. I wouldn't say the later seasons are very good, but the earlier seasons are are very nice. Uh, that's when Steven Hillenburg was still uh, participating in the development of the cartoon. May he rest in peace, by the way. Um, the show, each uh, episode, I would say, also had some sort of moral. It taught you uh the how to do you know the right thing and taught you how to not do the wrong thing chocolate yeah that episode taught you to uh you know sell chocolate but uh yeah the the characters also had uh, good personality in the earlier seasons uh i can't say the same thing for the later seasons their personalities kind of got dumbed down uh for example uh patrick used to be uh not completely idiotic he actually had some moments where he uh was actually kind of smart kind of clever but you know nowadays he's just uh brain dead he no longer has the power of wombo <laughs> The inner machinations of his mind are no longer an enigma. Mm -mm. But, uh, yeah. Old SpongeBob good, new SpongeBob bad is, uh, the moral. I mean, my favorite characters are SpongeBob, a Mermaid Man, and Barnacle Boy. Because they're based oh, off yeah. Batman and Robin. Evil! Evil! <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of memorable episodes of SpongeBob. Um, I remember the episode where uh, SpongeBob and Patrick are in uh, Sandy's dome, uh, and it's like winter time for some reason in her dome. She had, she had <laughs> a like biodome, sir. She had a biodome. You're right. You're absolutely right. She was a squirrel from Texas that wore a suit. In her own biodome. <laughs> Don't yeah. question it. Well, it was it, it was winter, and uh, SpongeBob and Patrick were stuck in the dome. They couldn't get out because the door was frozen shut, and they were freezing to death pretty much. So, uh, Sandy was in the middle of hibernation, and she was quite uh, quite fat, um, and hairy. So they decided to, uh, you know, rip her fur off and wear it on themselves. Oh my god, I remember that episode. <laughs> uh, when she awoke, she was quite agitated. Um, foaming at the mouth is uh, how angry she was. And she ended up wearing them by the end of the episode. Which is really kind of... Uh, uh... Nightmare fuel for some kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quite scary for uh, for a child, I, I would say. I'll never forget the episode. They had the, the caterpillar in Sandy's biodome. And oh, yeah. then it hatched into a, a, but, I mean, yeah, a butterfly. 
and it chased around, and they were absolutely fucking terrified of that butterfly. Like, Tumbo yeah, was like Godzilla were... almost. Yeah. I guess, I mean, it was nothing, it was nothing they had ever seen before. So, uh, a very alien thing to them, I guess, would freak them out. Uh, I will say that those live-action bits where uh, it was like a close-up on the butterfly's face <laughs> and there was loud noises, <laughs> I could see that scaring a lot of kids. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing you couldn't see on Jet National Geographic, so I mean. Yeah. Now, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of something that would scare kids... Uh, there is a Spongebob episode that used to scare the crap out of me when I was younger. Was the Hashling and Slasher? No, that actually was a, a fairly entertaining episode. Uh, it was the episode where I think either Spongebob or someone else got injured. And so Spongebob became like a, a, a recluse for the episode. He just stayed in his house because he was afraid to go outside. And uh, Sandy and Patrick were trying to get him out to, uh, you know, convince him that outside is, is a fun place to be. Yeah, there's danger, but, you know, just live with it. It's better than being cooped up inside all the time. Well, uh, at the end of the episode, they hatch a plan to get SpongeBob out. And the plan, I believe, was... Uh, Patrick would be in a gorilla suit. And, <laughs> I remember this. And uh, he would pretend to attack Sandy, and that would hopefully get SpongeBob out of the house to, uh, you know, help Sandy out. Um, but for some reason, uh, <laughs> you know, Patrick was in the gorilla suit. He unzipped the suit, and it was Patrick. You know, but then. Actual Patrick came by, and all three of them were deeply confused. Well, the Patrick that was in, uh, that had just walked into the scene, unzipped himself, and there was a live action person in a gorilla suit there. <laughs> that scared the ever loving crap out of me. <laughs> I don't know, like, when I look back at it now, I'm just like, how did that, how did that scare me? That's so stupid. But something about seeing a live-action guy in a gorilla suit in a cartoon, <laughs> just, oof. That was rough. Kool-Aid Naruto gave me nightmares. Oh, man. Oh, man. <sighs> yeah, so... that's true. <laughs> yes, Kool-Aid okay. had nar nightmares of Naruto. Yeah, two separate nightmares. <laughs> and they both involved uh, Sasuke. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, dude. Um, but, I mean, I like, I watched Spongebob with my little brother, and I kind of watched it with my, actually my uncle liked it too. So when he was, I was at my grandma's house, we'd watch Spongebob a lot. And I remember, like, my uncle bought, like, shit ton of VHS tapes of Spongebob for Kool-Aid to watch. So I remember watching all the older episodes of Spongebob. But the Hash Sling Slashers probably would be always be my favorite Spongebob episode just because it was the creepier spoopy episode. But yeah. 
That, I, I haven't watched Spongebob in a long time, though. The ending to that episode was uh, always questionable. Not because it was, you know, too scary or, you know, because it was uh, controversial or anything, but just because it was out of nowhere. Like, who's flickering the lights? And then it switches to Nosferatu. So, uh, yeah. But <laughs> that's that's all I have to say about Spongebob, really. Uh, the next cartoon, The Grim Adventures of uh, Billy and Mandy. Uh, that started in 2001, I believe. Yeah. It released in 2001. And... I don't actually remember a lot of uh, mem I don't have any episodes really memorized in my head. It's specifically the Christmas special that I remember. I guess it's because like I looked forward to it every year, or ex I expect to see it every year because they generally played the same Christmas specials every year, like Billy and Mandy. Grandma got run over by a reindeer and all that stuff, but I remember in the Christmas episode, uh, the trio, Billy, Mandy, and Grimm, went to the North Pole uh, because Santa became a vampire, got turned into a vampire, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I believe. They were accompanied by, like, another vampire, like a good guy vampire. And they were trying to find some way to turn Santa Claus back into a, uh, a human. They had no idea what caused him to be a vampire uh, until it's revealed that Mrs. Claus was the culprit. She was a vampire, and she had turned Santa Claus into a vampire, as well as uh, all of the elves. Wasn't Hostogado so, on that episode? Uh, I don't think so. But we, I'm glad you brought Hostogado up. You're welcome. He, he's a fantastic character, probably the best character in any cartoon ever created in history. Uh. If you don't know about the cult of uh, Hostel Gatto, <laughs> uh, uh, Cristello and I are the uh, the creators of this cult, and uh, we invite anybody and everyone to uh, become a member because I'm Hostel Gatto, she's Hostel Gatto, we are all Hostel Gatto. That's You're... the hostel got away. <laughs> uh, I can't. <laughs> WHD, what would a hostel got up do? If you ever see anyone in World of Warcraft and it says Hostel Gato Fan Club, that is me and Kool Aid. That is our guild. It's pink with a little kitty cat logo on it. That's the hostel got. <laughs> That's the Hostelgato fan club, and that is us. We're the only ones that have that. So you ever see me run around in World of Warcraft? 
You see that <laughs> that gill name? That is us. Yeah, join our guild. But uh, uh Do you remember the brains episode? I do, yes I do. Uh I enjoyed Voltaire's uh music in that episode. But uh yeah, freaking a meteor crashes down on Earth and it's a brain. Or it's a not a brain, but a a brain eating Thing. Alien monster. Yeah. And it convinces uh, Billy to go around stealing people's brains. <laughs> <laughs> and, and bringing it to the, uh, the alien monster to eat. That was quite, uh, quite strange. But the, song, the music in that episode was pretty good. Voltaire did spectacular. If... By the way, guys, I've actually met Voltaire in person several times. Um, cool guy, super legit, like big Star Wars fan. Um, and Star Trek, he likes Star Wars and Star Trek. Super cool guy. Actually, seen his concerts live. Actually, had drinks with the man. Super cool dude. Super talented. It, this is, brings it probably by, my, by far my favorite Billy and Mandy's episode, just because of the music in it. Absolutely. Uh, no other episodes really come to mind. Uh, I'm sure if, like, you know, somebody said or something about an episode, I'd probably be able to, like, picture it in my mind and stuff. But I remember one uh, episode that Grim fell in love with the vampire chick. I remember, like, they went on dates and, like, they're this club yeah. and her and Jerem are dancing and all that. I remember that episode. Yeah, and then, like, she thought the entire, uh, I don't know if it's the same episode that you're talking about, but I think, like, she wasn't, like, really a vampire chick. She was just, like, pretending. She, yeah, she wouldn't. She was a person. A goth chick. Yeah, she, yeah, she was, like, an actor or something, or an actress, and, um... She thought that Grimm was just, you know, playing, you know, pretending to be the Grim Reaper. But then, you know, Grimm showed her that he was the actual Grim Reaper, and she uh, pretty much went crazy. She was, uh, she was very scared at that point and uh, did not want anything to do with him, which was kind of sad. Yeah, but... I was like, damn, poor Grimm. He's already got to put up with Billy and Mandy. Give the guy some yeah. happiness. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I do remember another uh, scene from another episode. Um, I remember Grimm and Dracula were in a desert. <laughs> and uh, Grimm got stung by a scorpion. Uh, and, you know, I'm not even going to question how uh, a skeleton gets stung by a scorpion, but he gets stung by the scorpion, and there's poison inside of him now. And, you know, Grimm's like, you gotta suck the poison out, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna die. And Dracula's like, Dracula don't suck, he lick. He <laughs> scrape <laughs> and lick. <laughs> scrape and lick. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps doing it, and Grimm just passes out. <laughs> Hilarious. Remember, guys, tell your ladies, 
I don't suck. I scrape and lick. <laughs> that would really set the mood for anything you want to happen. <laughs> I don't know. If, it's, if Pace said, I, baby, I scrape and lick. I'd be like, well, you better scrape and lick something else. You ain't about to scrape nothing off me, baby. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, uh, Grim and uh, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, let's see, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. That's a pretty good show. Um, came out in 1999 and aired until well, the television film. It's final uh, airing, I guess, uh, in 2009. So it went on for a pretty long time. It was a good show. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly stayed a good show uh, throughout its entire airing, although it can be argued, and I guess this goes for any show, that the earlier seasons were still better than the later seasons, but I would say that... The entire episode was, or the entire series was still generally good. I can agree but, with that. Yeah. Um, I remember an episode where uh, Ed, the um, the the one with the green jacket, you know, the not so bright one. <laughs> He, uh, I guess he was like fed up with his sister's crap, and he just was super angry the entire episode. Like he was just a huge jerk the entire episode, and I think his sister was trying to be nice to him because he actually stood up for himself. Which, you know, that's good. I'm glad he stood up for himself finally, but he, you know, uh, released his anger upon his friends as well. And everyone else, which, that's not very good. But everything is settled by the end of the episode. Uh, I remember one episode where uh, the same Ed, uh, I think this is a Halloween episode, he... Uh, was going around and I think he was gathering people and like putting them like up against a wall using like I don't know he, he was staking them to like a wall or something and I remember that it would like, cut to first person whenever it, it was like showing his point of view occasionally throughout the episode like he was some sort of monster and I guess he was like, he was role playing as a monster, uh, but he was actually uh, causing a bit of mischief, I suppose, throughout the entire cul-de-sac, uh, doing what he was doing, pretty much kidnapping people and <laughs> hanging them on a wall against their will. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, 
this is a memorable episode. Uh, the smart Ed or Eddie or Double D, yeah, Double D. He he's usually a a germaphobe. He hates to be dirty, but one episode he just he breaks. He just his mind shatters and he becomes the exact opposite. He completely uh, accepts filth. He uh, just finds any way to get dirty and it does not sit well with the uh with the other two ed and uh, and eddie and i believe they try to get him to like wash off and stuff but he's just he just keeps finding ways to get himself dirty or even more dirty than he already is until eventually he snaps out of it and uh, returns to his old ways um, I'd like to touch on the television film, the last airing of the show. I rem- remember back in 2009 when I first saw this, I was pretty, I was pretty upset when I watched it, uh, cause I knew this would be the last new, uh, episode or, uh, new content from this, the, she- uh, series. And... The film was very enjoyable, and I will say that it was very well made. Um, I like the fact that they focused on revealing Ed's brother. Because throughout the entire series, Ed has um, referenced his brother, uh, admiring him, uh, setting him up as like this... uh, like almost like a father figure, almost you know, like someone you would really admire, you'd look up to, you would trust with your life, you know. And uh, we never actually get to see him or hear anything from him directly until the television film. And throughout the film, it's even built up. The whole premise is that you know, the three Eds, they did like. A, uh, a stunt uh, that just was the final straw for everyone in the cul-de-sac. It pretty much pissed everyone off, and it they just took it overboard. So they were running away to get to uh, Ed's brother so that he could save them from everyone in the cul-de-sac. And when they finally get to where Ed's brother lives and you know everyone in the cul-de-sac catches up to them, Everyone sees that Ed's brother is actually a huge jerk. He's not a very admirable guy. He's living in a trailer. Uh, I think he works for like a circus or a fair or something. And uh, Ed's brother is just a a huge, huge butthole uh, to Ed. You know, bullying him and calling him names and stuff. And everyone sees Ed in a very... um, What's the word? Um, powerless uh, manner. Ed is in a very low state at this point, and people feel bad for him. Everyone in the cul-de-sac, you know, the other two Eds, they feel bad for him. Uh, they have some sympathy for him, 
and they stand up for him, and they actually all uh, all the people in the cul-de-sac gang up on Ed's brother, and um, forgive uh, the three Eds for what they've done, and finally accept them as a as members of the cul-de-sac, you know. So I thought that was pretty nice, pretty nice way to wrap up the series. Yeah, because this, the whole time it talks so great about his brother, about the magazines, about this was his brother's room. You'd think his brother's going to be this cool, suave guy this whole time. And then you just, your heart breaks for Ed because you're like, this is who you looked up to? Really? Yeah. Oh, man, nah. Yeah, it's a nice way to end the series. Some a lot of closure, you know, wrapping up the mystery of who Ed's brother is and uh the three Eds finally fit into the cul-de-sac. They're no longer like the outcasts. They only have to they can only rely on themselves, on each other. They can now be a part of the uh the cul-de-sac. Um way too damn long. Yeah, it took uh, you know, Six seasons and uh, like ten years, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, before I go on, I must state something that happened in the mid two thousands regarding uh, Cartoon Network, uh, Nickelodeon, and the Disney Channel and other uh, cartoon uh, channels. There was a time where the cartoon channels uh, decided live action was uh, something that was worth their time. Mm. Yeah, those were the dark days, the dark ages of cartoon channels. The darkest days were upon us. Indeed. Cartoons bit the dust in favor of live action shows. And... Uh, I'm not going to say that all live-action shows were bad. There were some good ones. You know, uh, Drake and Josh, for instance. iCarly was all right. Uh, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide was pretty good. All of these are on uh, Nickelodeon, by the way. I can't think of any good ones from Cartoon Network. <laughs> or, uh, let's see. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody was okay and Wizards of Waverly Place was okay barely but other than that I I don't know of like any other good live action shows I, I don't think all I watched ones, any of them <laughs> it's probably best if you didn't <laughs> but I was too old I was the, I was in my late what late teens and all that well I was getting into my teenage years, and I just was into all that. Right. Um, but yeah, there was just... And the worst part is, most of these live-action shows had no soul. They didn't have any personality. Like, Destroy, Build, Destroy on Cartoon Network. It was a show where you watched two teams destroy things and then they built something and then they destroyed it again that's so stupid 
there's no substance really there's no characters to like get attached to unless you want to you know for some reason make the argument that andrew wk the host of the show is a memorable and relatable character which you know that's debatable I'm, that's heavily debatable and i would definitely uh uh argue that statement but um Yeah, no. Um, the Nani's had Nani's had anime stuff too, but I mean, live action. But I'm sure it was like leaps and bounds better than the stuff that was in the 2000s, though. Yeah. Hey, dude. Salute your shorts. We had Bug Juice that came on Disney Channel. We had Pete and Pete. We had uh, Clarissa explains it all. Yeah. Those shows had soul and had character build up. Brothers Garcia, which I never really watched, but I don't really remember. Yeah, I we had we had more soul to our thing. Right. Hole in the wall. Uh, a lot of these live action shows were just game shows, which um, I don't think necessarily are good for children, as in like entertaining enough. Or, you know, game shows don't teach kids right or wrong. They're just there to, you know, take up the kid's time. Which uh, isn't a very good use of time, I would say. But uh, luckily, there were some cartoons during that era. Um, Chowder, for instance. Chowder came out in uh, 2007 and lasted until 2010. Only had three seasons, but man, that show was splendid. Right. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> rada, rada. Rada, rada, rada. <laughs> I love Chowder. Characters. I love yeah. fucking Chowder, dude. It's, I would say, like a slice of the 90s. Oh, Fantastic yeah. Fantastic show. Oh, yeah. I could see that being in the 90s. Hands down. Not only were the characters memorable, you know, Chowder, Mung Dahl, Schnitzel, uh, but you also, they dabbled with different uh, animation styles. You know, most of the time it's like, uh, you know, regular animation, you know, like drawn animation. But occasionally it's um, a puppet. Uh, the characters are portrayed as puppets. Occasionally, it's claymation. Uh, and, you know, the other animation types I can't list off uh, currently. They're not coming to my mind. But a uh, very creative show. It would also break the fourth wall a lot. And it would do it in, I would say, clever ways. Ways that aren't uh, jarring. They don't take away from the show, but instead they add to the show. So, as far as memorable episodes, uh, I remember an episode where Mung Dahl, the, the head chef, uh, Chowder's mentor, uh, I believe he goes into a contest against another chef, and he fails at every challenge. 
and I believe like the punishment for failing a challenge was like putting on a piece of attire of, of clothing that a pirate would wear. So like by the end of the of the of the competition, Mung Dal was just in like pirate gear. He looked like a he looked like a pirate. And um I don't remember if he wins the competition ultimately or not. But I uh I do know that uh by the end of it they just they realize that uh it's not you don't need to be the best as long as you are you're good at what you do and you um are happy doing it let's see there's another episode where there's like a chowder uh copycat pretty much like somebody that's trying to I think he was trying to take Chowder's place. He dressed the same. Uh he tried to act the same as well. And Chowder didn't really like that. He wasn't he wasn't about that life. Uh he did not like that 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 person. But uh that copycat gets trapped in in a maze. And I remember there was some wild weird creatures in that maze. There was like a CG animated like pig uh stator looking thing that was dancing. There was like um a really buff eagle person and to give an example of the show breaking the fourth wall, um there's a scene in that episode where Chowder uh talks to himself his uh his ghost form uh comes out of him and he starts pretty much monologuing uh and his his conscious uh discusses how he's bound to save uh his copycat from the danger in the maze because uh the show's uh getting close to its um, ending time. The the show's time is running out, pretty much. Which, you know, it's I would say it's a fairly clever way of uh, both getting the main character to, uh, you know, go out, give them a reason to go out and save the, the person, as well as, you know, referencing the fact that... Uh, you know, there's not much time left, so left. So, let's see. Uh, I there's a a character in the show who is uh, Mung Dol's rival, and I remember that there's an episode where she gets this necklace, and I believe it's made out of some sort of like food, like a fruit or something, and it changes color based on the wearer's mood. It's like a mood necklace. And I believe Mung Dol wanted the necklace or something, and 
his rival <coughs> told him that he could have the necklace as long as he uh, did her bidding for uh, a certain amount of time. Which he agrees begrudgingly to, you know, he accepts those terms. And I believe he gets like super injured or he almost dies. And his rival thinks he dies or, you know, sees him get gravely injured and uh, is apologetic and worries for him. Instead of being uh, resentful or, you know, hating him, she feels bad for him. She actually, deep down, doesn't want him want, or want to see him in pain. She does care for him. Uh, I believe, I don't know what happens at the end of the episode, though. Obviously, Mangdal recovers. But... I don't remember if he gets the necklace or not. Uh, I want to say he actually tricks her and steals the necklace or something, but I don't. I can't recall honestly. But yeah, very nice show. Very nice. Uh, another show that I would say would fit fairly well into the 90s is uh, The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. Oh my god. My boy Flapjack. Absolutely. Captain Knuckles? I love you, Captain Knuckles. Oh my god. That, that show scared kids in your, in your generation. But us kids are not as like, ha! This is great. Yeah, some of those cutaways. That cat... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you guys don't know what I'm like, talking about, just Google Flapjack cat photo, and it's a white cat that's like a black and white photo, but the eyes are missing, and the mouth is like an O-shape with razor sharp teeth. And like in the episode, like I think Flapjack is like trying to pet the cat, and the cat turns around, and it's like, Aah. yeah. Yeah. It, it scared a lot of kids. Strangely enough, I don't remember it scaring me, though. For some reason, the most ridiculous things would scare me as a kid. Like but... a dude in a monkey suit? Yeah, like a dude in a monkey suit. <laughs> but the things that were actually scary wouldn't scare me. Except for Follow the Dot, but we're not going to get into that. Oh, man, you brought that up. I didn't bring that up, Kool-Aid. <laughs> if you guys don't know what Follow the Dot is, which... God, I'm sure we'll, when we talk about strange things on the internet on the next upcoming podcast, we'll talk about Follow the Dot. But if you don't know what Follow the Dot is, just go to YouTube and type in Follow the Dot and you will learn what it is if you don't know what it is already. Yeah, you'll have a great time. <laughs> it's fun. It's educational. Yeah. It teaches you motor skills. Also builds up fight or flight sense, uh, senses, so go ahead. Yeah, it definitely builds character. It builds character. That's Kool-Aid. Yeah. I, uh, it built so much character that I couldn't sleep in my bed for a week. <laughs> Longer than that. It was like a month or so before you could actually go get back in your own bed. I yeah. felt so bad. But boy, that was a good laugh because you didn't... We'll, we'll, talk... <laughs> we'll talk about this in another podcast. Yeah, back to Flapjack. Uh... <laughs> uh... Flapjack had also uh, a plethora of memorable characters. 
obviously Flapjack and Captain Knuckles. Uh, Bubby. Bubby, yeah, Bubby the whale. Uh, she was she was pretty nice, you know, a very nice, uh, very kind. Very sassy whale. Indeed, a very sassy whale, but she definitely cared for uh, Flapjack, Flapjack. And, and Knuckles. Even though she begrudgingly yeah. cared for Knuckles, but she cared about Knuckles. Yeah. She did not agree with a lot of what uh, a lot of Knuckles' uh, ideals and philosophies, but she was able to look past that and still care for him as a person. And that's a good thing to teach children. Absolutely. Um, you got Peppermint Larry. Yeah, you have Peppermint Larry and his candy uh, wife. Candy wife. Yeah, <laughs> I can see the candy wife scaring kids too. Yeah, the claymation candy woman. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, then you had Doc. Wacky. You had Doctor Baba. Mm, <laughs> yes, Doctor Baba. <laughs> he scared me sometimes because just shit he would do. Doctor Barbara was fucking weird, but Peppermint Larry was strange too. He was yeah. an odd, an odd duck. You have a wife made of fucking candy. You literally have a sex doll made out of candy. Yeah. I don't know how that relationship, uh... I don't want to know. I don't know how that candy's sticking together, but I don't want to find out either. I'm sure there's... uh, Scrape scrape and lick. Scrape and lick. (laughs) That's the hostel got away. Uh, but yeah, memorable, memorable characters, uh, as far as like scenes or episodes, um, I remember a scene where, or an episode where Flapjack is, uh, trying to act grown up because I believe like somebody or some people told him to grow up, pretty much, or act his age. And so he spends the episode trying to act his age to um, appease uh, other people's uh, ideas of how he should act. Um, and I, re- I remember one scene where uh, it looks like a little boy and he goes up to Flapjack, and he's like, you know, asking Flapjack if he wants to play a game. And I believe the game was like, whoever doesn't laugh wins. And, you know, the little boy keeps laughing. And he, you know, keeps saying, like, you win and after he laughs and stuff. And Flapjack... Uh, gets a little fed up with it and tells him to grow up. <laughs> and then the, the little kid all of a sudden, you know, has the voice of like a, a 30 year or 40 year old man. And he's like, grow up. I'm 38 years old. And then <laughs> it zooms in on his face. And it's like, he looks like, like a middle-aged man. He's got the body of a child, but the face of a middle-aged man. And it's, it's kind of 
wacky. And Flapjack uh, has like a a weirded out face and just walks away. That was such a good cartoon. I see yeah. why it didn't last. Once again, that was one of those bizarre cartoons that just did not fit the motif of the era it came out in. Like, that probably should have been like a cartoon for Adult Swim. I bet you it would have thrived. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, I would have watched it every night. Like, it had, it, it's kind of like Chowder. You know, it went from, um, it had like moments where it had like psychedelic stuff going on. It had claymation. It had original art. Flapjack was one of the ones that I was just like, you know, it gave me hope for the upcoming um, cartoons. And then I just got disappointed. Um, but I won't let Clay finish. And we're going to wrap up. Because uh, we've, we've pushed over an hour mark, guys. We made Jesus it over Christ. we made it over an hour. Um, so I won't let Clay go ahead and finish up. And uh, give a few, well, I'll give a few honorable mentions that I didn't really go into detail about. And let Clay go into a few honorable mentions. Just name off a few cartoons. And uh, yeah. go ahead and continue, Clay. Alright, well, the last one I really want to talk about uh, in detail is uh, The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. Oh my god, no! Oh, what's wrong with the Jimmy Neutron? Oh! <laughs> oh! Uh, I will say... I did not really care for the animation style. The 3D animation of uh, the early 2000s wasn't very good. Uh, at least specifically for this cartoon, it did not look very nice. But I did enjoy the, the show nonetheless. I liked the characters, you know. Uh, I liked uh, Jim Neutron, although he was pretty arrogant. Due to his uh, intellect, it let him. It let he let his intellect get the best of him a lot of the time. Uh, I liked Carl, uh, arguably the best character in the series. Carl Weezer, the nerd. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> oh my God. He had like. Carl had like a like a a milf fetish, pretty much. He had he had something going on for uh, Jimmy's mom. He but did. Uh, you've got Sean, uh, no Sheen, that's his name, Sheen, and uh, I wanted to punch that kid in the face so bad. I could see that Sheen uh. was pretty annoying. He was a loud mouth and pretty stupid, but. He was he was likable occasionally, I guess. He tried, I guess they tried to make him like the comedy relief, but he was just a little too loud. Uh, you've got you've got the uh, the Sundere of the show. I don't remember her name, but it was the blonde the blonde girl. Uh, 
she secretly liked Jimmy, but she didn't want to you know, show him her emotions. She often uh, called him names and stuff. But she 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 liked him deep down. Uh, as for other characters, I wouldn't say they're as memorable. I mean, you've got Jimmy's mom and dad. Uh, I would say his dad is more memorable than his mom. Uh, I remember an episode where his dad is going through like a midlife crisis, and he starts wearing like a leather jacket and sunglasses and acting cool and stuff. Uh, I think the most memorable episode for me, though, would be the episode where I think it was Carl. Carl was sick. He had some sort of disease, like the flu or the common cold or something. And so Jimmy, I think the other characters as well, Sheen and the blonde chick, and I think there was a couple of others, they shrink themselves down and they go inside of Carl. And they're basically trying to cure him of whatever illness he has. Or at least research the, the the disease, you know, for Jimmy's scientific research. And I remember they get attacked by the virus, uh, RNA, I guess. The virus molecules. And I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was... Uh, a pretty entertaining episode to both watch uh, visually and to you know experience what the characters are going through. So I will uh, let you say your honorable me honorable mentions before I say mine. All right. Um. So here's some honorable mentions that you know I did go into detail about, or the ones that Cooley didn't go into detail about. All right. From the '90s, we have, of course, Doug. Uh, we have Rocco's, well, I wanted Rocco's more life, so Doug, um, Pepper Ann, uh, the Animaniacs, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter, Johnny Bravo, Cow Chicken. Um, those are my honorable mentions that were also big parts of my childhood that I didn't go to detail in or just didn't have the time to, you know, put together enough to talk to you guys about. Those are my 90s. Uh, oh, and Pokemon. Honorable mentions. Yeah, I'm not going to add any more. <laughs> Take it away, Kool-Aid. All right. Uh, let's see. So, uh, I remember watching uh, Beyblade in the morning time before school. <laughs> let it rip. Every day. You let it rip. Got to live that let it rip lifestyle. Are you? <laughs> are you a part of that let it rip lifestyle? Sure am. Uh, let's see. Ben 10. Uh, the original series, specifically. The other other series were alright. Uh, but the original series was my favorite. Let's see. Uh, later on in my uh, adolescence. Adventure Time. 
was pretty good. Uh, regular show was pretty good. The Amazing World of Gumball, pretty good. Uh, I never really watched Steven Universe, but a lot of people say it's good. So, I mean, let's see. That's really all I can think of right now. I guess that's it. All right, guys. Well, we've hit the one hour and 30 minute mark almost. Actually, an hour and 25. This is the longest podcast so far. I don't know if they'll be all long like this. I guess if you get us on a good topic, we're going to talk about it. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope we took y'all down memory lane with some of our uh, talks of episodes and this cartoons in general. If you're my age and you got kiddos of your own, show them the classics, guys. You know, at least the ones that you know aren't so wild like Ren and Stimpy. Show them the classics. Show them Courage. Show them, you know, Kids Next Door or uh, Spongebob or, you know, Rugrats. Show them the classics. I mean, even Wild Thornberries. Smashing! Show them that. <laughs> I love Wild Thornberries. But show them the classics, guys. And, you know... Today's cartoons, I'm not a fan of them. Like Cooley says, Steven, Steven Universe, I'm not a fan of it. I just, I've grown out of those kind of cartoons. I appreciate the message it delivers to children and what topics they touch on. I appreciate it and I encourage it, but I just, I could never get into Steven Universe. Um, But yeah, enjoy cartoons. You're never too old to watch cartoons. Remember that. Be forever young. Enjoy cartoons. Wake up with your kids at 8 o'clock in the morning with a bowl of cereal and sit down and watch whatever season of Pokemon's on and just be a kid. Guys, I'm your host, Cristela Lovello. And I'm your co-host, McCreeps. And we, or the Country Fried Nerds, will see you next time. Mmm! Mm. Tasty! Tasty! That's the hospital got away. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, guys.